I want to welcome all of our campuses, Town East, Firewheel, Forney, Richland, and our classic service. I also want to welcome our Central Texas campuses in Austin, in Hayes, and Corpus Christi, and those connecting over the internet today. Rockwall, would you put your hands together and welcome your church family? We love you guys. We have a lot to celebrate as a church. Uh, we're already into the summer, but it's just amazing what God is doing. Are you ready for this? Our student ministries at our Lake Point campuses combined and began to emphasize going public with their faith as teenagers. And you take those baptisms from last week, connected with the real life baptisms from last week, and one church in more than one location, over 100 people were baptized in one week. It's awesome, yeah. It's very powerful. It's, it's fun to be a part of a place where there's so much life change. Uh, it's wonderful to be a part of a place that's committed to sharing Christ and, and building believers and seeing what only God uh, can do. It is summertime, school's out, and now we can relax, right? No, now it gets busy. I'm so glad you're here today. We're launching our summer series called Radical. Well, we're gonna be looking at the hard sayings of Jesus during this summer season together. You know, some sayings of Jesus are hard because they're just hard to understand. When Jesus says them, you have to push pause and back up and really wrestle with what is the true meaning of what he was saying. Some sayings of Jesus are not hard to understand. They're hard sayings because they're hard to hear. Uh, when he says them, you kind of back up. Like, I understood that, but it was really harsh. It comes across on the surface to almost cruel. Uh, and an example of, of that would be uh, a statement we're gonna look at next week where Jesus says, if you really wanna follow me, you need to hate your family. Well, at first that seems a little harsh and you have to back up and, and get the true meaning of that. An example of a hard saying that's hard to understand would be when Jesus says, hey, I need you to cut your foot off and pluck your eye out. Well, is that literally what he meant? I'm gonna encourage you not to do that this week, okay? Just don't do that. But you do wanna come back and discover. We'll look at that statement in a few weeks. Some statements are hard to understand. Some statements are, are hard because they're hard to hear. Uh, but there's another category, and that's the category that the statement we're gonna look at today falls into because it's not hard to understand. It's not even harsh at first or comes across offensive. It's just hard to do. The statement we're gonna look at today is radical. It's radical, not because it's hard to understand, it's because none of us wanna do it. Uh, I wanna argue, and it's my opinion, that this statement is one of the most ignored statements in the Bible. We understand it, but it's just difficult because it impacts everybody in the room. It's not hard to understand. We just don't wanna do it. We've heard it before, many of us, but we just go by and say, you know what? That's just too Radical, and here's the radical statement. Are you ready? The one we're gonna unpack today is, is from Matthew, and here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, do not store up treasures on earth. Well, that's easy to understand, but it's hard to do. The vast majority of Christians look at this statement and say, nope, not gonna do it. Just gonna keep doing what I wanna do. I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing with with us stuff in my life. But I want you to notice that this is not a suggestion. Jesus is not saying, hey, I'm sorry to bother you right now, but if you don't mind, would you not store up treasures on earth? Jesus isn't saying, hey, you know, if you get around to it, it's no big deal if you don't, but if you get around to it, do you mind not storing up treasures 
on earth. I want you to see this is not a suggestion. This is a command. And we're gonna see that there are huge consequences for ignoring this command. There's also huge blessings for leaning into it. So I wanna encourage you to take out your Bibles and let's turn to Matthew together. Matthew chapter six. If you don't have a Bible, there's a place at all of our campuses for you to take your worship guide and just turn it over and there's, you're gonna find the key verse for the day. Also a place to take notes. I'd encourage you to do that today. I'm gonna give you a big idea and several main points I think that'll help you as you apply this this week and through the rest of your life. But we're gonna unpack Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 24, just to get a full context of this statement. We're also gonna see why we can't ignore this statement. So let's look at it together. Matthew chapter six, here's verse 19. Verse 19, Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is saying, you're going to store things. You're going to store things up. You're either gonna store things on earth are you gonna store things in heaven? And he's telling us, store things in heaven. Here's the big idea if you wanna write it down. The big idea of the day is, is heaven, not earth, is my goal. Heaven, not earth, is my goal. We are just passing through. We're just passing through. So does it make any sense to store things where you're not staying? We all know that we're just passing through. We have reminders every day. Even the passing of Muhammad Ali this week reminds us that you can't float like a butterfly and sting like a bee forever. You're not gonna rumble in the jungle forever. At some point, there's a great statistic, one out of one people steps off earth and steps into eternity. And so what Jesus is saying is, doesn't, make, doesn't it make sense not to store things where you're not gonna stay? We're all just passing through. But there's something inside all of us, isn't there? that wants to store things. And Jesus is saying that's a good thing, but just store it in the right place. Speaking of storing things, have you noticed how many storage facilities there are? I mean, these things are everywhere. You don't have to look far, they're everywhere. We love to store things. Uh, according to, I saw this week, according to the Self Storage Association. By the way, isn't it sad that we have a Self Storage Association? But anyway. According to the Self Storage Association, the SSA they're called, here's some stats. There are 2.63 billion square feet of self-storage space in America. If you take all that feet and flatten it out, you could go around the earth 15 times with that many feet. The self-storage industry made $32.7 billion last year. Here's the stat that blew me away. There, the number of self-storage facilities is more than the number of McDonald's, Subways, and Starbucks combined. There is a lot of storage going on. It says that one out of every 10 households in the U.S. rents a self-storage unit. There's a lot of storing going on in America. We are wired to store things. And you may say, well, is that what Jesus is preaching against? Because I don't have a self-storage unit, so am I off the hook today? <laughs> I'm not in that one of 10. Well, I hate to break it to you, but, but that word treasures there where Jesus says, do not store up treasures, that word treasures isn't just self-storage units. That word treasures literally means money and everything you do with it. So unfortunately, none of us are off the hook with this message. This is a hard saying 
for all of us. Because Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth. He's saying you need to make sure you're listening and applying this to your life. Because there's a lot of storing going on, but you need to store in the right place. And maybe you're going to panic today and say, what is Jesus saying? Do I need to take a vow of poverty? Is that what Jesus is saying? Is Jesus saying that I can't buy a home? Is Jesus saying that I can't buy a car? Can I not get a new iPhone because I really like that thing? Can I not get an Xbox? Uh, this, this is not talking about Xboxes, is it? Can I not have a savings account? Can I not go on summer vacation because it's already planned? Can I not collect things? I was talking to a guy here on the Rockwall campus before I came up today, and, and he's, he's collecting 100-year-old golf clubs. Can he not do that anymore? What is it saying? Anytime you get a hard saying of Jesus, you wanna back up, and you wanna back up from the microscope and kinda get a broader view of all of scripture and other things Jesus said, just to make sure you have context. So here's what we know Jesus is not saying based on scripture. What we know Jesus is not saying is that all of us should not take a vow of poverty, that being poor is not something all of us need to pursue. We know this from scripture in Old and New Testament. For instance, in the Old Testament, you look through the Old Testament, you're gonna find the prophets preaching against the pride of the wealthy, but not against wealth. All the way through the Old Testament, verses like this, Proverbs chapter 10, verse four. It says, lazy people are soon poor. In other words, being poor is tied to laziness, not being spiritual. It says, lazy people are poor, but watch this. If you aren't lazy and you work hard, hard workers get rich. So wealth is a result of hard work. And poverty here is something we should avoid. And so what this is saying is, is when you work hard, you're blessed for it. It's also, all the way through the scriptures, all the way through the Old Testament and New Testament, you see that when you have things, it's a result of God blessing you with those things. I think about Job. You guys know Job in the Bible, whole book in the Bible. It's a very depressing book. Don't read Job when you're already depressed, okay? Because Job loses things, he has lost in his life, and it's a really difficult book to work through. But at the very end of Job, is a huge, awesome last chapter, and it always ends good when you're on God's team. But Job chapter 42, verse 12 says, so watch this. It says, so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. For now, he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. How about that? That's the Old Testament way of saying Job was loaded. Job had money and Job had stuff and he had it for the same reason everybody has it because God blessed him with it. So all the way through the Old Testament we see this idea that God blesses us with money. And never in the scripture do we hear a phrase money is evil. Money isn't evil, it's neutral. It's our attitude toward money. It's when we love money more than God. It's when we do things with money that God isn't pleased with. That's what gets us into trouble. That's where the problem is. You flip over to the New Testament, you see the, the same healthy view of, of money. Ephesians chapter four, verse 28 says this. It says, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. In other words, the scripture is saying all the way through the New Testament, you work hard to get money so you can provide for yourself and your family and so just like this scripture says, so you can be generous, so you can help someone else out, 
So you can use it and leverage that to store up treasures in heaven. So money isn't the issue. Money is not the issue. The issue is our attitude toward it, what we do with it and where we store it. You see, it should be obvious by the way you handle money that heaven, not earth, is your goal. That heaven and not earth is where you're storing your treasure. And Jesus gives us three ways to make sure we are storing up treasures in heaven. And I wanna encourage you to write them down if you're taking notes, but at the very end of the message, I'm also gonna give you three really simple, practical things that our family is doing to wrestle with this hard saying and how to apply it. But just to make sure we're all still together, can we just agree that we all live in a materialistic culture? Can we agree with this? I mean, America in general is materialistic, and materialistic people store up their treasures on earth. Because what does materialism say? Materialism says, get, 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 get for you. And once you get it, get more, 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 and more. And once you have more, then you store, store, store for yourself. You see, America's all about keeping up with the Joneses. By the way, has anybody met these people? Where are they? But have you noticed that once you get with the Joneses, whoever they are, and you finally get even with the Joneses, have you noticed that that's when they refinance? or file bankruptcy. Have you noticed that when you get to a state in life where you say, you know what, I've got everything I need. I've got everything I want. Have you noticed that when you get to a level where you feel like you've got everything you want, then you walk into Walmart, then you walk into Target, or Lowe's, or Home Goods or TJ Maxx, or Bass Pro, name the store, but you walk in and all of a sudden you see all of these things that before you walked in, you had no idea you couldn't live without them. But now that you see them, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I need that too. We live in this materialistic society and there's only one thing that you can use to battle against materialism and it is this word generosity. And that's why Jesus says, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus says, have a generous heart. If you wanna live like heaven, not earth is your goal, then have a generous heart. And Jesus makes it clear that where you store things is a heart issue. You see, understand, Jesus doesn't need your money. It's already his. He wants your heart. And he knows if you have a selfish heart, you're gonna do a lot of selfish things with money. He's telling us that where our treasure is, is where our heart is. Notice Matthew chapter six, verse 21. He's saying, store up your treasure in heaven. How do you do that? You gotta have a generous heart. Look at this. Wherever your treasure is, he says, there is the desires of your heart will be also. The desires of your heart equal with where your treasure is. What you do with money reveals where your heart is. And we live in this materialistic society and it's your nature and it's my nature to get it and to get it and to get more of it and to store it and to hold on to it. And only by generosity can we loosen this grip that materialism has on our lives. Now I know that some of you when you walked in today and you saw the topic of the message, you were like, of all the days to come to church, the pastor's gonna talk about money. We should have come next week. Or maybe you looked at it and said, hey, the pastor's gonna talk about money. No big deal for me because I'm not one of those rich people. I'm not one of those people that has a lot of wealth. And I just wanna listen, uh, get you to listen to this uh, article from Forbes magazine and, and it says this, according to Forbes magazine, if you live in America, you make $10,000 a year baseline. Now you may not make 10,000 a year, your parents just may give you that much, but you have $10,000 a year to work with. 
According to Forbes magazine, if you have $10,000 a year, you're in the top 15% of the most wealthy people in the world. Same article, if you make $50,000 or more, you're in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. You have more, according to Forbes magazine, more at your disposal than anyone on the planet. Isn't it interesting that we live in a world, we live in a place on the planet where we have more than anyone else on the planet, but we still have this lack and this sense of discontentment. Hashtag first world probs. Got this, you know, I just need a little bit more, then I can, maybe I can get happy and get content. Isn't it interesting that we live in a place that's in the top 1% on the planet, but we also have the number one rate of depression, the number one rate of anxiety, because we have all this stuff, but it's not satisfying, and in general, Americans just aren't happy. I found another article from the Public Broadcasting Network. Now, you guys know this isn't a Christian theological journal, right? The PBS, government-owned organization, it did an article recently called Are Americans Stingy? And what it did is it looked at Americans and how we do or don't give. It's interesting because it talked about the ice bucket challenge that was a big trending thing on Twitter where you take an ice bucket and you pour it on your head and, and it says we wanna all post that on Facebook because we want people to think that we're generous and we're all about causes. But I wanted to put this on the screen for you because this, this quote is staggering. According to PBS, almost half of all Americans do not give money away to any cause. Most Americans, six out of seven, do not even give away 2% of their income, end quote. This article goes on and on and on, and it quotes um, a Notre Dame study that did interviews and research between stingy people and generous people, and it said, I quote, um, we find a consistent link between generosity and a higher quality of life. People who give are happier and healthier. Wow. Could it be that when Jesus makes this hard saying, he is really trying to help us wake up and realize that it's not just about storing your treasure in heaven so one day you'll be blessed in heaven? Could it be that this hard saying is to wake us up to realize when you make heaven, not earth, your goal, you're actually blessed in eternity and you're happier and healthier now as well. Could it be that this hard saying is saying have a generous heart because when you have a generous heart, you're gonna store up treasures in heaven and you're gonna be happier and you're gonna be healthier according to pbs.org. This is hard. We all need to lean into this, but this is very difficult to do, which is why Jesus says this second thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. He says, you gotta live a focused life. If you wanna get in on this, you have to live a focused life because if heaven's gonna be your goal, it's gonna be a struggle in a materialistic culture to do that. Now, this is interesting because when you look at this in Matthew chapter six, it seems like Jesus makes some comments about money, and then all of a sudden he switches gears, and I haven't noticed this until I studied it for this message. Because all of a sudden Jesus switches gears and he's talking about lamps and eyes and darkness. And then all of a sudden he starts talking about money again. It seems like they're not related, but it's very much related. Look at what happens next. After he talks about storing up and and making sure that your treasure and your heart line up, then in verse 22 he says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. 
Let's just stop here to understand what he's saying. In, in this culture, the Jewish people thought that your eyes set the direction of your life. Hang with me. So if your eyes are fixed on something, what is happening is when your eyes are fixed on it, everything follows. Your mind, your emotions, your soul, your will, and your body, and all your strength and energy goes that direction. Notice what Jesus said is he says, if your eye is healthy, your version may have said clear. The actual Greek word here literally means straight or direct, a singular focus. In other words, he's saying if you're focused on what I'm saying, if you're focused on storing up treasures in heaven, it's like taking a match and lighting a lamp and all of a sudden that lamp illuminates everything and your whole life will be filled with light because you're on the right path and you're, you're listening to what I'm saying. But the opposite is also true. If you don't listen to what he's saying, he's saying the opposite is true. If you're not focused on God's direction, what happens? Well, the next verse tells you. He says in verse 23, but when your eye is unhealthy, in other words, you're not clear, you're not focused on eternity, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness is, he says. Jesus is saying there's a direct connection between what you do with your finances and your spiritual health. He's saying if you don't listen to what I'm saying, it's not gonna go well for you. You're going in the wrong direction. You have to focus your life if you wanna experience real life, if you wanna lean into what really matters. It's so easy to forget though. It's so easy to forget, that's why Jesus says this over and over again. Let me show you this verse, Luke 12, verse 15. Jesus said to another group of people, he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. This is another way to say, do not store up treasures on earth. Heaven, not earth, is your goal. After Jesus made this statement, he, he, he told this story, and I'm gonna put it on the screen for you. In Luke chapter 12, he tells the story, and notice that this guy is storing up treasures on earth because he's so focused on himself. He's storing up treasure for himself on earth. Notice how many eyes and mys are in this story. Notice, he says, he told him this story. A rich man made a fertile farm and produced fine crops, and he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I, no, I'll tear my barns down and build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to, watch this, store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. What a helpless story. What a tragic story. Jesus is saying if you don't live a focused life, if you get unfocused at some point in your life, you're gonna realize, wait a minute, I, I should be storing up treasure in heaven. It's not about earth. Hopefully it won't come at the end of your life like this guy in the story, but at some point, you'll realize, you know what, I should be storing up treasure in heaven because I, storing up treasure on earth, that doesn't even make any sense. You can't take it with you. I saw this picture on Facebook that summarizes this story Jesus just told. <laughs> just don't see that every day. Why is that so hilarious? Because it's ridiculous, okay? That's why. 
And that's why Jesus is making this hard saying. He's saying, don't store up treasure on earth. It doesn't make any sense. I'm actually leading uh, one of our 30 mission trips that Mark talked about. It's so great to be a part of a church sending people so many places. And I'm telling our team that's going with, with us, I, I'm telling them, hey, listen, I want you to make sure we're only going to be there for 10 days, okay? So make sure that when you take some money over there, don't exchange too much of that currency because when you bring that back to, to America, it's going to be worthless. It's like monopoly money. Uh, I'm, I'm encouraging our team, travel light, pack light. We're only going to be there for 10 days, and then we're going to be right back here. Isn't that great advice on admission trip? Isn't that what Jesus is saying in this story? He's saying, hey, Christians, travel light. Listen, all the currency that you're using right now, that's great, but it's worthless in heaven. All the stuff you're trying to hold on to, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. So store up treasure in heaven. Then Jesus makes the hard saying even harder with this last statement in verse 24. He says, no one, by the way, in the original Greek, that word means no one. That's deep. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve and be enslaved to money. Jesus is saying if you want to store up treasures in heaven, if heaven, not earth, is the goal, then if you're taking notes, write this down. Don't be enslaved to money is exactly what he said. What's Jesus saying? He's saying you cannot serve God and money. You can't. You cannot go pursue materialism all week long and then stroll into church whenever you want to and give whenever you feel like it and say that you're sold out to Jesus. You can't. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve money and love God. If money is your master, God isn't. And this is a hard saying. And why is it so hard? Because Jesus is getting to the heart of the issue. It's a salvation issue. And it's not, hey, get your money together so you can get saved. Is if you're saved, it's gonna be obvious in how you handle your finances because Christians, we're just passing through. Don't store up treasures on earth. We all live in America, which makes this a hard saying. It's intense. You say, where do I start? I'm convicted, what do I do? I'm, I'm convicted too, what should we do? Let me share with you three biblical principles that our family is wrestling with as we apply this hard saying to our life. Here's the first one. Where you wanna start with this is give Jesus your heart. Give Jesus your heart. You see, he is generous, and until you allow him to be generous to you, you're not gonna be generous. Understand this, the place to start is, is not, are you going to give money to Lake Point? It's not, are you gonna give money to real life? The first question you wanna ask is, are you going to give your heart to Jesus? That's the question. Because when you receive the love of Christ and you receive the forgiveness and the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross and you ask him into your life and his love and his joy overflows your heart, you cannot help but be generous because treasure and heart go together. You will give. So the first question you wanna ask is, is have I given my heart to Jesus? Because that's where generosity starts. You say, well, yes, I've done that. I've already done that. 
I've already asked him in my life, if you are a Christian, then ask him, is there any part of my heart Jesus doesn't have? Is there any part of my finances I need to turn back over to him? Does he have all of my heart? Say, yes, I'm leaning into that. Then here's the second principle, because as Christians, it is very difficult to apply this. And here's one thing that Pastor Steve, uh, his parents taught him. My parents taught me. As leaders, we do this. Our elders over this church do this. And I would encourage you, if you really wanna lean into this, make sure you're doing it too. And that is the second thing. Give to God first. Give to God first. When you get paid, give a percentage of that back to God and to his church. That's why a lot of people give online. It's not because they're traveling a lot, it's because it's the only way to beat the mortgage payment. It's the only way to beat the rent payment or the car payment is, I gotta show God he's first. And listen, when you give first, what are you saying? God, first and foremost, you have my heart and not money. It is impossible to say that you serve money if you give to God first. So give to God first. And when you give to God first, it loosens the grip of materialism. Your heart grows. Your generosity grows. Your walk with Christ grows because you're leaning in and giving to God first. And that grip of materialism has to loosen. Now listen, the time to start to give to God first is not in your 40s. You know why? Because in your 40s, you have teenagers. Now, I've got three teenagers. You know what teenagers do? They suck the financial life out of you. That's what teenagers do, okay? I love my kids, but that's exactly what they do. We had to decide way before the 40s to do this. 23 years ago, my wife and I, we decided when we first got married, we're going to give back to God. And we decided that 10%, because it's in the scripture, was a good percentage to go with since that's what God told us to do. So we're just gonna give them 10%. This is back when I worked at UPS. She was a teacher's assistant. This is back when Raymond Noodles were our friends because that was a week's worth of groceries right there. One pack, six for a dollar, okay? When we started doing that, and here's my testimony. Here's my story after giving for 23 years first back to God. I still don't have a condo in Hawaii. I still don't have a cool convertible. I still don't have a female donkey like Job. <laughs> But let me tell you what I've got. I've got things you can't buy. I've got peace in my house. I've got love in my house. I've got joy in my house. And you can't pick that up at Home Depot. You can't get that at Bass Pro. You can't find that at TJ Maxx. It is only from God. Give to God first. And you say, well, I've already given Jesus my heart. I'm putting God first. I'm already all in. Then this is the one we're wrestling with. This principle is what we're leaning into as a family, and that is, how can I leverage earthly things for eternal impact? How can I take all the earthly things that I have and leverage them for heaven? This is where I'm at right now, and this is what I'm asking. I'd ask you to ask the same thing. In other words, I have an apartment, but how can I leverage it for God? Do we need to have a Bible study here? We have a house, but how can we leverage it for God? Because of this extra room, can we get a missionary to stay there? You know, is this, is this my pool in the backyard or is it God's? Do we need to host some kind of party for, for children or for middle schools or whatever it might be for teenagers? You know, I have this car, but is it my car? Can I leverage this car to maybe give a shut-in a ride to the doctor or maybe take a meal to someone in need? When you start asking that question, it really does open your eyes to say, heaven, not earth, is my goal. 
I was thinking about that when I thought about last week. The Austin campus had a, had a huge baptism on the property that they just secured. And so many people have given through impact to get this land. And there's a huge baptism there. And it was awesome to see 30 people get baptized and all the life change that was there and the celebration around it. And it was a big deal. He had food trucks and, and a face painting and all. It was a party. It was a celebration. Now, you may have seen that picture. You said, was that a Walmart pool? Yes, it was. All right. That's what you use when you have property out there and there's nothing else on it. You say, well, how do you get water in a pool when there's no city water on the property? That's really easy, a water truck. I took a picture of it with my phone just to show you. There it is right there, all right? Now, you cannot make this stuff up, but this guy pulls up in the water truck to fill this tank up about an hour before everybody gets there on the property. Huge party going on. And he's filling up the, tank, this, the pool and he goes, he asks one of our team members, he goes, what is this? There's food trucks and music blaring and there's a big pool and, and our team member said, this is a baptism. He goes, a what? This is a baptism. And he goes, can I stay and watch? Sure. That guy parks his water truck over in the pasture and walks back over and stands at the edge of the pool. He watches 30 people get baptized, seven of them married couples getting baptized together. He's sitting on the front row of this thing and he's hearing us say, hey, this, this guy's in a life group. Who's in their life group? And the life group's cheer, yeah, this is life change. They're going public with their faith. It was a big party. He watches all of that happen. And after it was over, our team member comes back over to him and he says, first thing he says is, can I get in one of those life groups? And then he says, where does this church meet? Well, obviously it's not here on the property yet. So we meet at Bowie High School. He says, I'm gonna come, I wanna come to that. You know what we said to him as soon as he said he wanted to be a part of the church? We did not say to him, hey man, it's time to start storing up your treasure in heaven. I don't know if you knew this, but this water costs $250 to fill up this pool. You gotta start giving, because money doesn't grow on trees, bro. No, 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 that's not what we told him. Tuesday, he came by the Austin office and talked to one of our pastors. He poured out his life and his heart, all the hurt in this life that, that many people go through. And he got on his knees and he gave it all to Jesus. And he found Christ. Yeah. And today, he's sitting in Bowie High School because there is a church that says we are not gonna store up treasures on earth. We're gonna focus on what lasts forever. And ladies and gentlemen, what lasts forever is very, very small. God's word lasts forever, and we've already heard it today. The only other thing that lasts forever is people. So may God help us lean in and say, how can we leverage everything we have to help others? I close with this passage, 1 Timothy 6. God, teach us, teach those who are rich. That's all of us, top 1% on the planet, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Why should we lean into this hard saying? Because 1 Timothy 6, 19, by doing this, they will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Let's pray together. Father, forgive us. Forgive us when we hold on too tightly to the things we can't hold on to forever. And Father, I pray that right now in this room, at campuses, over the internet, if there's anyone listening to me, 
who's never opened up their heart to you, that they would know this church is not about what they can give to us. This church is about what we can give to them. His name is Jesus. He is the greatest treasure ever given. And I pray that right now, anyone who doesn't know Jesus would open up their heart and they would receive his forgiveness and his life and his eternity today. But for those of us who know Jesus, Lord, help us to focus as Christians on the eternal. Help us to live like heaven, not earth, is our goal. And may our lifestyle, may our lifestyle not be hindered. May our lifestyle not be hindered by the materialism in this world. May our lifestyle not hinder the generosity we need to have, but may our generosity hinder our lifestyle. As we decide today that we will store up treasure in heaven. Show us what that means and help us to obey. For we pray it in the name of the one who gives us the greatest treasure and who is our greatest treasure, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Let's give God a hand for his grace, his truth.